0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio.
1: What was your morning like? Mine was a flurry of activity, trying to get our children ready for the day and out the door. It's never a straightforward process and it's often quite stressful. But as we rush about our days... What do we miss out on when the world whizzes by in a blur from the car window? Meg McKinley is an award-winning children's writer and mum based in Western Australia. Her book, Ten Tiny Things, is a story about slowing down and noticing the little things. She joins us on the line. Hi, Meg. How are you? Hello. I'm very well, thanks. Tell us about what inspired this book. Did anything specific happen that prompted you to write it? Uh,
0: yes, and also no. And what I mean by that is that uh, I think the very beginnings of this idea were laid quite early on. So when I was growing up, I grew up in or near Bendigo in central Victoria, and one of the sort of unusual features of my childhood was that we did not have a car. So if we needed to get somewhere, which of course, you know, you often do when you're a kid, we, we mostly had to ride our bikes or walk, which was not always convenient, but certainly had the effect of slowing me down and and I grew up noticing things and moving, you know, at a kind of a slower pace through the world than many of my peers and I, I realised looking back that I had a very different way of being in that space than a lot of the kids around me. I knew things that I didn't know simply because I was moving through it in a different way. So uh, when I got older, I, you know, we, we have a car now, <laughs> city living, but, um, but I, you know, I've, I think that's become entrenched in me, that idea of being a walker. And I think that walking is the best way to, to get to know a place. And so I wanted my daughter to be a walker as well. So we would go out walking and just in the way that parents do to make that experience more interesting and fun I'd be pointing things out and at a certain point Possibly because I also have a very competitive McKinley gene. Mm -hmm. I turned it into a little game called Things We Would Never Have Seen If We Had Been Driving. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the first person to get to, you know, to notice 10 sort of small or interesting or otherwise hidden things that you probably wouldn't have seen if you'd been in the car. So I guess experiences from my childhood sort of intersected with something uh, a bit more recent and that's where the idea started to sort of um, to gather its momentum from.
1: I saw two girls walking to school today and I was in the car driving my son to childcare and I thought they look really young to be walking on their own. They're both at primary school, but I imagine one was in kindy maybe or year one and the other one in year two. And even though my first reaction was they're young to be walking on their own, it started me thinking about my own daughter who's also that age, about five years old, and, and, you know, how she might feel walking to school because kids these days, particularly kids in cities, don't get a lot of independence. And I thought, I wonder what it's like. What it would be like for her, and why don't I? Why don't I let her walk to school? I mean, it's too far from where we are for starters. Yeah. But you know, just inside inside my heart, I'd find it very hard to let her walk to school, even if that school was down the road. Um, do yep. you think that's a significant shift that has happened for parents today? I
0: do, I do, and I think it's, look, it's something I'm very careful to say to kids when I talk about this book in schools is that it's it's not meant to be a polemic, you know, I'm not telling you what you should and shouldn't do, because it's not always practical, you know, it's often not practical for parents at all, they're on their way to work, or whatever it is, it doesn't make sense, or it's, you know, it's plainly too far. Um, The reason that I've embedded this narrative, this idea of sliding down and walking in a walking-to-school framework is simply because when i used to from time to time you know i would be able to walk to school and pick my own daughter up and people would always offer us lifts home because it was so far even though i was walking with her and even though really it was only a few blocks and so that idea sort of bumped up against this this idea from my own childhood of slowing down and that's why the story has taken on that shape but i was also noticing that you know, all around me was this chaos of parking and parents and horns and kids who were running across the road in between cars to get to cars when some of them lived quite close by and there were other options. And I do, you know, I had that same experience that you've had as well of thinking when I was growing up in the 70s, we used to walk and The fact is there were so many kids walking and there were so many people walking that that sense of anxiety I suppose that parents might have had if they were going to have it was diminished and we know for a fact that the more people are out there in the environment, the more general population are out there doing things, the safer it is. So I think that anxiety that we feel now is real, that there are fewer people on the streets and so to send your child out there into that now feels like a bigger proposition. But that's a symptom of a broader problem. Um, you know, so I would, as much as I could, when my daughter got a bit older, I'd be letting her ride. And, I, you know, I have to admit, the first time she rode to school on her own, I followed her secretly in the car. <laughs> be- because I wanted to see how she was on the road and I wanted to make sure that she was doing sensible things. Mm. Um, but I also know that, you know, when she was eight or whatever it was and I started to let her walk home on her own, I sometimes got phone calls from other mothers who were saying that I was doing the wrong thing. You know, oh, I saw your daughter in the park and she wasn't walking through the park. She'd stopped in the park. She was eating an apple as if there was, some, you know, this <laughs> somehow was going to attract problems. And I just thought this has gone, it's gone too
1: far the other way. You just said you know, to them, possible. call me when she's smoking in the park. Yeah.
0: You know, she's sitting in the park having a lovely time and feeling that sense of self-reliance and a little bit of relatively safe independence. And I think that's super important for kids. And possibly the needle was a little bit too far the other way when I was growing up. You know, there were, we had a lot of freedom and sometimes it was too much and there were risks there. But I do think it swung back to a point where kids are way too controlled now.
1: Is there also a hint of mindfulness in this story about yes. yeah being in the present moment? There certainly is. And it was interesting having a conversation
0: about this with a few people, and they referred to it as a walking to school book. And I, I always want to say, let me just stop you there, because to me, that's the narrative framework. But at its heart, this story to me is about mindfulness. It's about slowing down and sort of being where you are and I I am in no doubt that some of that aspect of the story owes um, a lot to the fact that my husband is a clinical psychologist and that that is something that I... I'm not naturally good at myself at just slowing down and being in the present moment. And I recognize that it's something that I did all the time when I was a kid. There was all the time in the world just to be in one place and feel the wind and hear the birds. And somehow that has become eroded. And that's something that I'm very keen to sort of relearn. And I think we all can do that. But that modern living doesn't lend itself naturally to that that way of being. It's something that we have to be very conscious of and sort of grab back for ourselves.
1: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Meg McKinlay about her book. It's called 10 Tiny Things. It's a story of the week this week on Kindling Kids Radio. And we've just been chatting about what inspired the book and how it embraces a whole lot of things, um, just in a simple story about walking to school, including being present in the present, being in the present moment and just noticing things around you and slowing down. Um, Meg, the illustrations by Kyle hughes odges they're really lovely. How yep. did you work with him on this story? I know typically a lot of um, writers will send their book to someone and then the, the pictures come back. Is that how it worked with him? Uh, yes. Generally speaking that that's how it works and it is how it worked in this case even
0: though, you know, I'm based near Fremantle in Western Australia and this is a book that was published by Fremantle Press, so by a local press and Kyle also lives in Perth, you know, so that there was every chance that we could have got together and discussed this, we didn't, and in fact, we didn't meet until the book was almost finished. (laughs) Um, And that's typically how it works. You know, I don't speak the language of illustration. I don't offer any illustration notes or prompts or suggestions or anything. I just send the story off to the publisher. They know how to talk to authors and to illustrators, and they tend to sit in the middle. And a few people have said to me, you know, the illustrations in this particular book they're not what you would um, typically expect to find in a children's book. You know, the palette is very muted, it's sort of a matte style, it's a little bit retro, it's got your dark browns and greens, and the characters are very unusual in, in the way that they're, you know, that they don't they're recognizable as human, certainly, but they're not realist and they're not cartoony and the colours are not bright. So people often say to me, how did you feel when the illustrations came back? And I saw early sketches, you know, it's not just that you're presented with a fait accompli and you have to live with it. Um, there are discussions that take place, but I'm not a writer that visualizes things when I write, so I never have an expectation of what things should look like. And I, I love what Kyle did, and I think particularly with this book, this is a book that, um, you know, it, it does have... strong message and I think that the style being almost a little bit abstract and otherworldly is a nice counterpoint to that. I think if it had been too realist, then the book possibly can run the risk of just, of kids reading it as if or someone is telling us what we should be doing. But the illustrations being so unusual, it just, it takes it into a different sort of dimension. And so I think the text and the images work really well together. And it's Kyle's first picture book. So he comes out of a street art sort of a tradition and he's a gallery artist as well and does all kinds of amazing things. But it, it this was his first picture book. Well, Wow. And, um, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, in that sense, what what are you hoping that kids and parents get out of this book? Because you, you just mentioned it's important for you that they don't feel like they're being preached at or told to do something. What are you hoping it will inspire? Uh, look, I think inspire is a good word. I, I am just
0: hoping that it will inspire kids and adults as well to... Be to be a little bit more conscious about the way that they are in the world and a little bit more thoughtful about the things around them and that's, you know, if you've read the book, I I never use the word car so it's a book about this car that breaks down but I don't say the word car, I say it was a green machine, it was a clean machine, you know, the kids have a shiny machine and I do that because I'm wanting the kids who read the book and the people who read the book to actually sit back and say, what is a car? Isn't it strange that Every day we climb inside these metal beetles, you know, and they just take us to where we want to go. Do we always need to do this? So I'm just really wanting kids and parents to take a step back from the things that seem natural and inevitable and say to themselves, is there some other way that we might do this that actually might lead us to some loveliness?
1: Meg, it's a beautiful book. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you very much for having me. That's award-winning children's author Meg McKinley. Her book, 10 Tiny Things, is Kindling's Story of the Week. You can catch it each afternoon on Settle Pedal at 5pm or listen to it on our free app. And one lucky listener has the opportunity to win Meg's book. Just head to our website for all the details. It's kindling.com.au.